0: Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Pick A Side Podcast. My name is Joel Moran and I'm here with Jack Bartek and this is now episode 64. In this episode, we will preview the Super Bowl and give our predictions for the game. Then we will talk about Matthew Stafford's trade from both perspectives. Did getting Stafford to make the Rams viable contenders and what the Lions will get in Jared Goff? We will also answer the question of whether the Vikings should trade Kirk Cousins to the 49ers and then we will give our NFL award winners and preview the offseason for each AFC East team this preview will include our takes on who each team should sign resign and or draft this is episode 64 we're getting closer to that hundred number and I just want to say before we start, if you guys are listening to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, go and give us a review on Apple Podcasts because it helps us trend in the charts and it's going to help our podcasts grow. Thank you guys for listening and being so supportive. It's really been a surreal feeling for both of us. I can speak for Jack and I that you guys have been supporting like crazy and it's it's really cool to see. This is a pretty great episode that we're about to do today. Riv is not here because... Uh, he left his laptop at work, and his brother is using his iPad for school, so it's just Jack and I. But This is going to be a great episode.
1: Yeah, I'm tired, and I'm sore with the snow that came in. I feel like I've been shoveling for 24 hours straight, but I'm excited. I've been looking forward to doing this one. It's going to be a fun episode. I think we've got a lot of great topics today.
0: So what we're going to start out with first is the Super Bowl the preview slash prediction part of this episode. I know a lot of people are very hyped about this game, including myself, Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes, the two best quarterbacks of all time, arguably when it's all said and done. We know Tom Brady right now is a GOAT, but Patrick Mahomes, if he wins the Super Bowl, he can very well have a, ta- a seat at the table of the GOAT discussion. And in your opinion, Jack, who do you think has the edge in this game?
1: it's neck and neck. Like it doesn't get much closer than this. We saw them play earlier on in the season and the chiefs came firing out of the gates and the bucks made the late comeback. They are two teams that are red hot. They're playing great football. They've strolled through the playoffs and I'm really excited to watch it. I think it could go either way, but I'm going to give the chiefs the slight edge. I just feel like Patrick Mahomes is on his own level right now. And that's no disrespect to Tom Brady, but, you could go through every group, and I feel like neither team has a huge advantage in any position. Even when it comes to coaching on the sideline, both of these teams are solid everywhere. But I think that Patrick Mahomes is going to be the difference maker at the end of the day.
0: I can get on board with that. But for me, as somebody who picked the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl, to make the Super Bowl, and I'm all in on this Bucks team, I am very frightened of the Kansas City Chiefs because Patrick Mahomes seems to be invincible when it's playoff time. This playoffs alone he has 580 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, and Tyreek Hill and Kelsey both have 200 yards receiving. The one thing that can deter the Chiefs from this amazing run that they've been on is their offensive line. Right now, this is their offensive line heading into the Super Bowl. Mike Remmers who's starting at left tackle. He has zero snaps at left tackle this season. Nick Allegretti, he's an okay player. Austin Reitler, he's an okay player. Stephen Wisinski, he has one game at right guard. He's going to be starting at right guard for them. And Andrew Wiley, they're starting right tackle. He has only had one game at right tackle. So this is a very discombobulated offensive line right now. They don't have Coletio Semeli. They don't have... um. Mitchell Schwartz, so it's going to be tough for them, and we know that Tampa Bay is great at rushing the passer. So that can be a major cause of concern in Brady versus Mahomes so far. They're 2-2, 120 team total points for Mahomes, 121 team total points for Brady, but in terms of touchdowns and interceptions, it's not even close. Patrick Mahomes has 11 touchdowns to 3 interceptions, and Brady has 6 touchdowns to 5 interceptions. So this is a very close call matchup and I think the key to this game is which offense can move down the field more consistently. I think in this playoffs alone, the the Chiefs have about 6 6 drives that ended in a touchdown when they were when they had a drive down the field 75 plus yards or more. The Bucks have 0. I was I tried to re- rewatch the Bucks and Chiefs game earlier this season. That happened earlier this season. I was unable to because Game Pass was being being very annoying. But watching that game back, the Bucks started out really slow and they came alive late. If they start out slow in this game, I don't. I think they're gonna get blown out. They can't start out slow in this game.
1: A hundred percent agreed. And I think that Todd Bowles has done a spectacular job with that Buccaneers defense this season. And I don't think he makes the same mistake twice. Arguably one of the most hilarious mistakes of the entire season was putting Tyreek Hill in single coverage to start the game. And we know how that that ended up. Probably the greatest first quarter in NFL history by a receiver. And that kind of set the tone for the rest of the game. And the Chiefs slowed down, but they just couldn't catch up to that first quarter dominance of the Chiefs. I think that Todd Wells is going to learn from that mistake. They're going to come in with a better defensive game plan this game. And you mentioned it before when you were talking about the Chiefs' offensive line. They're a different group, and, and continuity on the offensive line is so important, especially come playoff time, and even more so facing such a great Bucks front attack. And they're going to bring pressure. There's no question about it. It's going to be about Patrick Mahomes getting out of the pocket and making plays on the run which we know he can do he just has to do it so i think it's going to be interesting to see if the bucks defensive front can catch up to mahomes bottle him up and don't let him make plays with his legs or outside of the pocket
0: yeah and for me this is a very hard game to pick or to root for one team because i love tom brady But I love Patrick Mahomes. Like before Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes was my favorite quarterback in the NFL for the past two seasons. I'm all in on Mahomes. I think he's going to go down as the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. At least with the eye test so far, me personally, I think he already is that. When you talk about accomplishments, of course, that's Brady. So for me, this is very hard to pick. And we talked about the pass rush being a vital part of the Buccaneers' chances to win, but I think another thing is that their offense has to start clicking, and we've seen it. I think they got kind of bailed out against the Packers because every single first down we saw it against the Packers, it was a run, 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 run. There was no, there was there was really no creativity on the offensive side of the ball on first down, and I feel like that's where the Bucks have to be good. They're lucky because Brady bailed them out on a lot of third downs, and the team called great plays on third downs. But in terms of first downs, it just can't be runs and you can't just recycle that play over and over again.
1: Yeah, and I wouldn't expect to see as many mistakes out of the Chiefs as you did out of the Packers. They they had a couple unforced errors, whether it was fumbles, the Scotty Miller touchdown before the end of the half, the management towards the end of the fourth quarter. The, the Packers really fumbled that game away, no pun intended. And that's not to say the Bucks didn't play a great game because they did and they deserved to win. But the Packers also had a very real chance to win, and they were just the team that made more mistakes. And I don't think the Chiefs are going to do that same thing. I, I feel like it's one of those games where, you know, even though you want your team to be in the Super Bowl, of course, it's going to be good to not be a fan of either of these teams. So you could just take it in, soak it in, enjoy it. Tony Romo kind of alluded to it earlier this week. This is the legacy matchup. If Patrick Mahomes win, wins this Super Bowl, you know, I, I know it's a bit of a narrative, but he could be well on his way cementing himself into that category of, of a legitimate top five quarterback ever. But, you know, he loses this game. And that's always going to hang over his head. Tom Brady got him in the Super Bowl. Even at 40 years old, he was able to get the young bucks. So it's going to be that legacy matchup. This is one that will not be forgotten anytime soon. You'll be hearing about this game until Patrick Mahomes retires, whichever way it goes. I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I'm sticking with the Chiefs in a very close game, though.
0: So I think I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm not going to flip-flop my pig once a team has made it to the Super Bowl. I knew that this was a very likely possibility that this was going to be the matchup, the Chiefs versus the Bucks. right? There's going to be 25 to 30,000 fans in the stands at Raymond James Stadium, Tampa Bay Buccaneers' home stadium. So they're going to have a home crowd. And I just think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will win this game. I don't want to bet against Mahomes and the Chiefs, and even if they win the game, I won't be mad. But I just think when you look at what team is more healthy, it's the Bucks. Antoine Winfield is coming back. you got Vita Vea with two weeks of rest now, who played a little bit in the NFC Championship game. He's one of the most dominating defensive tackles in the league right now. Shaq Barrett was phenomenal. He's going to do his thing. Jason Pierre-Paul and Adama Sue, like they have guys up front. I think Todd Bowles is going to make a good game plan to disguise his defenses. He's not going to rely on man so heavily and leave his corners on islands because of that. I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will win, but I, it's going to be a really close game.
1: I respect it. And and you shouldn't change your pick at this point. You know, you've been riding with the Buccaneers since the preseason. And if they win, that, that's uh that's a great call by you. Even yeah. the fact that they got here, like, I don't think that losing to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl would be a bad thing by any means. Obviously, you want to win, but I would consider this season a success either way.
0: Yeah, so on to the next segment. A blockbuster trade happened over the weekend, I'm pretty sure. It happened on the weekend, right? Yeah. Matthew Stafford got traded to the Los Angeles Rams, and the Rams traded Jared Goff to the Lions along with two future first-round picks and a third-round pick. So instead of just talking about who won the trade because that can go either way, we're going to talk about the trade from two perspectives, from the Rams perspective and from the Lions perspective. So we're going to start out with the Rams. Do you think now that the Los Angeles Rams, do you think now that the Los Angeles Rams acquired Matthew Stafford that they are Super Bowl contenders?
1: I would 100% say that. I thought that they were sneaky Super Bowl contenders this year the way they finished the season the way that defensive unit was playing they got the running game going and Sean McVay is such a smart head coach so now you take a guy in Jared Goff who I've notably been not high on him all season long he's not great under pressure he doesn't throw the deep ball that well and you replace him with Matthew Stafford who there's definitely question marks but talent wise, I don't think is any competition, whether it's watching the tape or looking at the numbers. Every single metric would tell you Matthew Stafford is a better quarterback. He throws the deep ball much better. He handles pressure much better. And he's done it on a pretty bad franchise over the last decade in the Detroit Lions. So now you pair him up with that run game with Sean McVay, with that defense. They're right at the top in the NFC. And I know the NFC is packed So it's tough to say if they're the favorites coming out of the NFC next season and there's a whole offseason to go, who knows what could happen. You saw Tom Brady go to Tampa Bay last offseason and it changed the total dynamic. But I would say right now the Rams are right up there on a short
0: list of favorites in the NFC. So for me, the Rams went 9-7 and last year. They had the first ranked defense in the NFL. Their defense is elite, no doubt. But Leonard Floyd is a free agent. I'm pretty sure Darius Williams is a free agent. So they got some key guys on the defensive side of the ball who will be free agents. The last time Matthew Stafford had a top-10 defense, the Lions went 11-5. and And I think the argument that Stafford hasn't won anything is kind of overblown because before he got to the Lions, the Lions didn't make the playoffs for 11 years. They haven't won a playoff game since 1992. So Matthew Stafford, at least in his time at Detroit, Went to the playoffs three times. They lost, but I don't think it was all on him when they lost those games. And Jared Goff is a good quarterback. I think he's an okay quarterback, but like you mentioned, he doesn't throw the deep ball well. That's something that Matthew Stafford thrives in. And now with Stafford, it gives McVay the flexibility to call more vertical passing plays and to push the ball down the field. I think Stafford is still a top 10 talent at the quarterback position in the NFL. He threw for 26 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and 4,000 yards last year with basically no Kenny Galladay for the entire season. Now you're going to the Rams with Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, Cam Akers, and Daryl Henderson, a run game, and good receivers. I think Matthew Stafford is going to make the most out of that situation. To answer the question, are they Super Bowl contenders, I'll say they're one of them. They're one of them because there's a lot of teams in the NFC that are going to be fighting for that spot. And football is very, is very unpredictable. It's not like the NBA where we know it's going to be the Lakers, Nets, or the Clippers, or one of those teams. With football, it can be any team, right? What worries me about Stafford and this fit with the Rams is that they like to run the ball a lot and they predicate their offense a lot on the play action. And I think Stafford can do that, but his strength is being a gunslinging quarterback, not necessarily throwing short to intermediate passes. When he's been placed in such set offenses throughout his career, he has not been that good. When he was with Joe Lombardi, who has a power-run heavy scheme and it has a quick passing scheme, Stafford wasn't that good. And I also think Stafford, even though he has all the tools, his decision-making is very questionable as well. He's kind of like a Phillip Rivers in the sense where he's gonna do a lot of things to keep you in the game, but Stafford will also lose you the game and he'll throw a late inter he'll throw a late fourth quarter interception to cost you the game, and that's happened multiple times throughout his career. So as much as I love Stafford, those are real concerns. And I don't think the upgrade from golf to Stafford is like golf is here and Stafford is here. I think golf is here and Stafford is here. I don't think it's a monumental upgrade and all of a sudden, oh my gosh, they are the team to beat. I think it's a big upgrade and I think they become a better team, but I don't think they become favorites.
1: I I think that's a fair analysis. Uh, One thing I said earlier on in the season about Sean McVay and Jared Goff was I wondered if Sean McVay wasn't handcuffed to this play action scheme because he didn't trust the talent and ability of Jared Goff. So I want to see when Matthew when Matthew Stafford gets in the building. Is Sean McVay going to open up that playbook more and build that offense around Stafford's ability, or are they going to stick to that play action, you know, run game type scheme, run heavy offense? That'll be an interesting thing to see. But I would like to see him open up the playbook a little bit more. They have some great weapons, and now with Matthew Stafford, you know his arm talent. I want to see them open open it up a little bit. Um, another thing you mentioned, just to hit on one of your points. The winning conversation, I feel like Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff are kind of inverses in that in that sense, in the winning game sense, because you look at Matthew Stafford, he was on some really terrible teams in Detroit with a terrible head coach and Matt Patricia the last few years. And I feel like you can't really blame him for a lot of the struggles in Detroit. On the other hand, you have Jared Goff. One of the biggest arguments in his favor was, well, look at two years ago, he led his team to the Super Bowl. But I would say to that, He didn't lead anything. They had one of the best defenses in the league. They had Todd Gurley, who at that time was, I think, head and shoulders, the best running back in the league, and Sean McVay, who was still the shiny new thing, and people hadn't really solved his schemes yet. So at that point in time, that was not Jared Goff leading his team to a Super Bowl, though he played well. I'll give him that, and that was the best I feel like I've seen him play in his career was that season. But over time, you got to show improvement, and I don't think that Jared Goff has done that. So I think that bringing in Matthew Stafford, despite his record and all of that in Detroit makes this offense better. And I can't wait to see him with McVay. And another thing, a lot of people are getting on the Rams about trading the picks. The Rams haven't selected in the first round since 2016. So they, and they do a great job finding talent in the later rounds. So I'm not trying to undervalue what first round picks means. And I think it was great for the lions to get those picks and, and, it's probably more than you would have expected for Matthew Stafford, but the Rams can find talent later in the draft and they're going all in right now. They are selling out for a championship and I think it was the right move for them.
0: I think the picks thing is, is a little bit overblown too, but I think it's overblown for a different reason. I don't think Stafford is worth two first round picks, but I think getting rid of Jared Goff's contract is, and that's why they had to do it for me. It, you know, I'm a guy who I think Stafford's is one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the NFL, and I believe in his talent, but there are some real question marks there, and I know Rams fans are on the fence about this move. Some fans love it. Some fans don't like it because they like golf. and I think even though golf has been shouldering most of the blame within the Rams' demise, you can say, even though they went 9-7 and the last two seasons and before that made the Super Bowl, it's been—Sean McVeigh has had a hand in this as well. Sean McVay's play calling, he, he's gotten figured out to an extent. Last year, he got figured out. This year, he kind of stole some scheme from the Ravens and Greg Roman's offense, and it revitalized the Rams' offense a little bit, but then it dwindled down again. I think that Jared Goff is getting unfairly blamed for this, I guess, Rams downfall, because I think Sean McVay has a part in this, and as great as a coach as Sean McVay is, he's an off, he's a awesome offensive mind. I don't think he's the type of guy that's going to take Stafford from a top 15 quarterback to now being a top five or top three quarterback in the league. Because we know next season, regardless of how well Stafford plays, the best quarterbacks in the league are going to be Mahomes, Watson if he plays, Josh Allen is going to be there, and I know I'm missing Aaron Rodgers is going to be there. So there's going to be guys that are going to be over Stafford. I think Stafford can have a top 10 quarterback like season, but there are some concerns with him. Even though Jared Goff was very inconsistent, Rams fans might get a little bit mad when Stafford throws some late game interceptions and that loses them the game because it's happened a lot. We'll see if that changes within Stafford's game, but at 32 or 33 years old, I mean, how much can you really change from the player that you once were?
1: I agree with a lot of your points, but I would say overall, if I was a Rams fan or my message to Rams fans, I would be happy with the deal. I think that they got better as a team. I think they gave themselves a better chance to compete for a Super Bowl, which that's what they have to do right now because their draft capital, even before this wasn't great, their cap space was really not good. They got off a bad contract in Jared Goff, which I didn't think they should have given him that extension just yet. So overall, I feel like it was the right move considering where they're at and I'd be excited for this upcoming year. You said it. I don't think they're favorites at the moment. We got to see how the offseason plays out, and I still don't think they will be favorites come opening day next year, but they're definitely going to be in the mix, and they will be certainly contender in the NFC. Yeah,
0: and I agree with that totally. Uh, just to just to say one last thing, I think this marriage between, between Stafford and McVay will work out. I think they'll be one of the better teams in the league. I think they'll probably win the division, but... We have to be careful about just anointing them favorites before they even play a snap together. I think there are some concerns there and I hope that Matthew Stafford does succeed because I want him to go out like I want him to go out like a champion cuz I think he's been very underappreciated throughout his career. But now he has a chance. He's going to be at a national stage in a big city in Los Angeles. He has a chance to kind of rewrite the narrative of his, of his career from being a guy with stats that loses to being a guy that wins. So we'll see what happens. But all in all, I think the Rams went all in with this move because they have little to no cap space. They have no draft capital. So this was a move to go all in and to see if they can win next year. So we'll see if they do that. The player that got traded for Matthew Stafford was Jared Goff. Jared Goff is now on the Detroit Lions And listen, I don't think Jared Goff is a bad quarterback. I think he's a good quarterback. He gets unfairly criticized, I think, sometimes, even though he has been very inconsistent, and I think he did hold back the Rams. But last season, he completed 67% of his passes, almost threw for 4,000 yards, had 20 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions. Do you think this was a good move for the Lions to move off from Stafford and to get Jared Goff in the building?
1: Well, first of all, I would say this deal was a no-brainer. I saw the list of you know, supposed offers from other teams. Nobody else was giving you this kind of draft capital, two first-round picks and a third. So,
0: And a starting quarterback.
1: Yeah, yeah. Regardless of what you think about the quarterback swap, I think the picks make it a no-brainer, first things first. Second of all, as critical as I've been of Jared Goff, I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I think he's an average to above average quarterback, and I think it'll be perfect for the Lions. They're not going to be a terrible team this season, I don't think. I like the fit with Anthony Lynn as the offensive coordinator and Jared Goff. They could run a run-heavy offense with the play action mixed in, which is what Jared Goff was accustomed to in Los Angeles. With DeAndre Swift in that backfield, I like that fit. So I think it'll be the right offensive system for Jared Goff. And I think he'll also be a perfect bridge quarterback to somebody like a quarterback that they could get this year in Lance, I think would be a great option for them. They could groom him under Jared Goff for maybe a season or two. And I don't know how the money is going to work out on Jared Goff's contract, but if it's the same way it was in Los Angeles, they won't have to take on as much of a cap hit to move him in a season or two. So say they draft a quarterback, this draft, And they sit him behind Jared Goff for a year or a year and a half. They could move him two years from now if they boost his value. Sort of like, uh, I know this is crossing sports, but a Chris Paul to the Thunder. They brought him in. They kind of revitalized his image a little bit. And they traded him off for more assets. So I think it's a great move for the Lions to remain at least competitive right now I don't think they will be a playoff team but I think that they'll win games and I think they'll be in a bunch of close games I like their coaching moves and I think that Jared Goff is going to be a good fit with Anthony Lynn they got they did a great job getting the picks and, and I'm excited to see how that marriage works out and if they do draft a quarterback to groom under Goff
0: if we're just being honest we're calling a spade a spade the Lions were going nowhere with Matthew Stafford that's just the reality of it They were getting ready to go through another rebuild. And we talked about this. When if the Lions trade Matthew Stafford and you get a first-round pick, now what do they do at quarterback? They have that question mark. I wouldn't have been confident in starting Trey Lance day one. I'm not, I wouldn't, especially in Detroit, in Detroit, I would not be confident in starting any quarterback outside of Trevor Lawrence on day one. So because of that, Jared Goff, the Lions now get a quarterback in Jared Goff, who's a starter in this league. And he's gotten a bad rap, but he's a great leader. He's a great person. And he's a good quarterback. He's a, he's, he, at his best, he's a top 15 quarterback. At his worst, he's between 20 to 25. He's not a horrible quarterback. And I think this Lions team has some talent. And I loved what they did within the coaching staff. You hired Dan Campbell, who I think is a culture changer. Anthony Lynn who's a good offensive coordinator, even though with the Chargers he had some of his debacles, and Aaron Glenn, who's coming from the Saints as well, to join Dan Campbell. For me, the Lions need almost everything, right? They need secondary because Jeff Okuda has been underwhelming, and even though I hope his career gets on track, right now it's not a surefire hit at that pick, so there's still a question mark there. Jelani Tavai or Javon Tavai has not been good at linebacker. They need an inside linebacker. They need an outside linebacker to replace Christian Jones. And they need another edge rusher, even though Romeo Aquara was good. Is that just was that a breakout season or was just that a fluke season on a contract year? There's a lot of question marks. I think on the offensive line, you have three building blocks in turn in Rick and uh what's her names? In uh Jonah Jackson, Frank Ragno, and Taylor Decker, you have three building blocks there, so you need to get another tackle and possibly a guard. And then I think in terms of like your weapons on the outside for Jared Goff to work with, the only one right now that they have is TJ Hawkinson. DeAndre Swift is there, but where's Galladay going to go? Where's Marvin Jones going to go? Are they going to re-sign Kenny Galladay? So now because of that, Jared Goff or whatever rookie QB that would have been placed in the situation is now in a situation with nothing to work with. Jared Goff might be the starting quarterback for the Lions, and his best receiver might be Quentin Cephas. You know, so that's a huge question mark. The Lions, I think they'll sign some free agents. If it was me, I'd re-sign Kenny Galladay. I think with an offense of Kenny Galladay, if healthy, TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift, I think you can win some games. And, of course, if Aaron Glenn gets the most out of that defense, especially out of Jeff Okuda, they can make a run. I never thought that the talent was a problem with Detroit. I always thought that the coaching was the problem. If this is the right coaching staff, we can start to see the Lions trend in the right direction.
1: Yeah, and I think it's all about the coaching staff. Like you kind of hit on there, I think that they have the talent to win games. And like I said, I've been very critical of Jared Goff, but you can certainly win games with him at quarterback. The Rams have shown that. They went to a Super Bowl with him, and they made the playoffs this past season and won a playoff game with him playing the majority of the snaps, although he didn't get the start. So you can certainly win games with Jared Goff at quarterback. There's no question about it. They have some talent on the offensive side of the ball, depending on if they bring back Galladay or Marvin Jones. They they need to make some moves in this offseason for sure because they're losing a lot on that offensive side of the ball, but it's a big free agency class too. There's a lot of options out there at wide receiver. So as long as even if they lose Galladay, as long as they restock with another really number one option or at least borderline number one option. I like Cephas as a number two type, but he can't be your number one going into the year. And that defense, I feel like, has a lot of talent. It was just crazily underutilized by Matt Patricia. He did such a bad job that I feel like the entire team took a hit because of it. And and that's including Jeff Okuda. I feel like he's going to get back on track now. And it's also the toughest position to play as a rookie, in my opinion, cornerback. I feel like every rookie cornerback has a very tough time coming into the league. So I would expect him to turn it around. I think they're headed in the right direction, but it all depends on what this coaching staff does. And I feel like that will decide the fate of Jared Goff, but I don't think he's their long-term answer. I feel like he's just going to be a bridge to a guy like Lance or another quarterback that they find, whether it's this year or next
0: year. In two seasons, the Lions can move on from Jared Goff and basically take on no dead cap if they move on from Jared Goff. These are some key free agents the Lions are going to have. Galladay, Okwara, Marvin Jones, Deron Harmon, Matt Prater, and Jamal Agnew. I think Marvin Jones is gone. I think Galladay is a guy they got to look at and try to re-sign. And for me, when we talk about the draft, Trey Lance is the name that jumps out. But I wouldn't be surprised if during the draft process he moves up and Justin Fields is the one that drops. Because I think Justin Fields is the one with the most question marks right now in terms of scouts, and he might be the one to drop. And the Lions can get a huge prize if they draft Justin Fields and they have the right coaching staff around him to groom him. And Jared Goff is there. I think he'll do an excellent job. For me, I see seven wins if everything goes right next year for the Lions. And I also think this. I think that in terms of their weapons, I did a Madden rebuild with them because I was curious to see how I could build their team. I didn't sign back Kenny Galladay, and I didn't sign back Marvin Jones. In free agency, what I did with the Lions is that I signed Corey Davis from Tennessee and I signed Alan Lazard. So my the receiving core was Corey Davis, Alan Lazard, Cephas. I drafted uh Tutu Atwell and TJ Hawkinson. So I don't think that's that's that bad, even though it's not good. But the Lions have picks, so they can draft a wide receiver in the second round or third round. Kenny Galladay was not a first-round pick. They can possibly hit on a wide receiver there. So there are different options for the Lions to go to. But my the, my final point is that I think going from Stafford to Goff wasn't as big as a downgrade as a lot of fans like to think because one of the position that the Lions are in in, in terms of building their team they're going full rebuild mode right now and also because I don't think the gap between Stafford and Goff is as crazy as a lot of people are making it sound like
1: yeah I think this was one of those rare trades where everybody won both teams got exactly what they were looking for for their time frame that they were looking to get it in Matthew Stafford gives the Rams a better chance to win a Super Bowl. And Jared Goff is a good rebuilding, potentially bridge quarterback for a Lions team that doesn't have those expectations. And maybe without those expectations, like there was in Los Angeles, he can get his career back on track to that Super Bowl type level that he played at that season. Um, I'm excited to see what the Lions do. I think they could be anywhere between like a five and seven win team. You know, I, I don't think they're going to be a playoff team, but they'll be competitive and they'll be one of those teams like this year. There's a couple of teams where every week I felt like you looked at their schedule and like, they, they could put up a fight in this one. They could pull off an upset here. And I feel like that will be the Lions next season, depending on their offseason. I like what you did in the Madden rebuild because Davis and Lazard, I would imagine, are going to be cheaper than Galladay and Marvin Jones. So if you can, you know, Get cut off some of that money while also bringing in two pretty solid weapons, I feel like that would be a great move for the Lions, but they have to bring back some weapons. Otherwise, you're just throwing Jared Goff off the boat with no life vest.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that both teams won this trade, and I think the Lions are going into this rebuild with a lot of assets and a starting caliber quarterback. They don't have to throw the rookie quarterback into their fire if they do draft and go that way, but we'll see what they do in the draft. Another team that is looking to upgrade at quarterback is the San Francisco 49ers. They saw the Rams get Matthew Stafford. The Cardinals have Kyler Murray and the Seahawks have Russell Wilson. So the 49ers are there with Jimmy G like we need an upgrade. And I'm reading this on Twitter right now from Viking Central. The San Francisco 49ers offered a second and fourth round draft pick along with Jimmy Garoppolo to the Minnesota Vikings for Kirk Cousins. But the Vikings won a first-round pick. So, what do you think? Do you think that Kirk Cousins would be a good fit with the 49ers? How good do you think he's going to be? And also, should the Vikings make this trade?
1: Remind me, what pick do the Vikings have in this year's draft? Do you know? They possibly
0: have between the fourteen to, like, eighteen pick. I could double-check.
1: So... I think for the 49ers, this is definitely something they should be in on and and they should consider making whatever deal the Vikings want. Because you mentioned the quarterbacks in that division right now, it's loaded and they're going to fall behind. Even this season, though, you looked at them with all the injuries they had, they were out competing and they did not have a terrible season. Although the record wasn't what you would like it to be with all those injuries. All things considered, they finished out that season really well. And with a healthy team, they're competitive in that division, no doubt. But one of the biggest things that's holding them back is Jimmy Garoppolo. I like the guy, but I just don't think he's that good of a quarterback. I think he's an average game manager quarterback, and it cost them in the Super Bowl last year. Late, they needed a big throw, and he couldn't make it. And I know I don't like putting the game on one play, but that one throw could have won them the Super Bowl. And that was just a microcosm, I feel like, of what Jimmy Garoppolo is to that team, and a Kirk, Kirk Cousins would be a huge upgrade over Jimmy G, I think. And if they really want to compete in that division, I know they're not in the best situation money wise. Deshaun Watson is kind of off the table for them because of their money situation, and, and you know I don't know if they would have the compensation to get him without giving up a Bosa, and they're not going to do that. So you got to start to look at other options and what really is there Sam Darnold. I don't know that right now, Sam Darnold is that much of an upgrade over Jimmy G down the line. He could be, but they're looking to compete right this second. So I think Kirk cousins is one of the best guys that would be on the market. If they're saying he is for them to go into that division and compete this year, because you can't afford to have any weak links. If you can fix a weak link on your team, you need to do that because that division is loaded right now.
0: I'll say this first things first. Um, the 49ers do have the money to get Deshaun Watson. They, they have over 50 free agents in this upcoming free agency. Like, so they got a lot of players that they got to sign back so they can get Deshaun Watson if they want to. They have 10 picks in this upcoming draft. They have one in the first round, one in the second, one in the third, one in the fourth, and three in the fifth. And then outside of that, I'm not going to name those picks because I don't think they really matter, even though they could get a good player there. For me, Jimmy Garoppolo is what every Kirk Cousins hater thinks Kirk Cousins is, right? That's what I think Jimmy Garoppolo is. I think he's a fine quarterback. He's an average quarterback. And, you know, I think that Garoppolo missed a lot of plays in the Super Bowl, but there were a lot of also great plays made by the defense, one notably where Debo Samuel was open and could have got a first down on a much-needed first down and Chris Jones batted the ball down. There was a lot of that going on. I think also if the defense doesn't give up that big play to Mahomes and Tyree Kill, then we're having a different conversation that Jimmy G is a Super Bowl winner. You know, so I think there's a lot of things that went into it. I think sometimes we look at who won and who lost and we're biased towards who won. And we tend to think that because they lost, they did everything wrong. And especially in the NFL at the quarterback position, they get blamed the most. Kirk Cousins has not been good in primetime games. Like that is something that, You can see he gets tense during them. I wouldn't be sure how much I'd bet on Kirk Cousins. Is he an upgrade over Jimmy G statistically? Yes, no doubt about it. Do I like Kirk Cousins? Yes. He has a connection with Kyle Shanahan already because they were together with Washington. So I think that would work out really good. But in terms of going from Kirk Cousins to Jimmy G, what are you really getting? You're not getting a quarterback that's more mobile. You may get a better better decision-maker, a guy with a little bit of a better arm, but Kirk Cousins in Minnesota had Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, then Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Jimmy G, his receivers were injured, and until Emmanuel Sanders got there in 2019, he really didn't have anybody to throw the ball to. And this season, he was injured, so we didn't see what he did with that. We know George Kittle is an amazing tight end, but in terms of an outside threat, the 49ers have never really had that. So, Kirk Cousins going from Minnesota to now going to the 49ers with no real number one outside threat. Like, how good is he going to be? And does he really take you over the top? I think this would be an in the moment decision and move just to upgrade now. I think that the 49ers, the only quarterback they should be looking at is Deshaun Watson. And if I'm the Vikings and I can get a first overall pick for Kirk Cousins and Jimmy G, I do that in a heartbeat. If I'm the 49ers, I don't go after Kirk Cousins so crazy. Like, so, so, like the way they're going after him, I wouldn't go for Kirk Cousins that way. But if I'm the Vikings and they offer me a first in Jimmy G, I'm going to take that deal.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do a first if I was the 49ers, but if it was a second and a fourth, I would feel okay doing that. I think they could manage giving up those picks for the slight upgrade at the quarterback position and betting on Kirk cousins, fitting into that Shanahan scheme. I think that would be a good fit. So I, I think it's, it depends on the price tag. If they're not going to give him up without a first round pick, I would call it off, send everything you got for Deshaun Watson and hope that you could get him. If not, I mean, yes, they can win with Jimmy Garoppolo. It would be nice to get an upgrade, especially in a season where it feels like there's so many quarterbacks on the move. And if you want an upgrade, there are options out there, but don't oversell, don't sell yourself out for one and ruin a potential future because they do have a lot of young talent on that team. So, you know, they're not necessarily in that win now window like the Rams may be because of their cap situation and their pick situation. So, I feel like they could afford to wait it out a little bit instead of selling the farm for a guy like Kirk Cousins reactionary off of the Stafford trade to L.A.
0: I disagree. I think the Fortianas the are in a win-now situation. I think every team in the NFC West, outside of the Cardinals, and even the Cardinals, they're all in win-now situations because they've all have given big contracts to players, especially the Rams. And the Seahawks, they're all in on Russell Wilson, which they should be. They're all in. When you have Kyle Shanahan as coach and you just made the Super Bowl a year prior, like you're all in. The 49ers, the only reason they make this move for Kirk Cousins is because they're all in right now. But I just don't think that's the quarterback they should be looking at. I think instead I'd draft, I'd, I'd go up in the draft and take Zach Wilson. I think Zach Wilson and the Kyle Shanahan system would be a great quarterback. I'd do that instead instead of going after Kirk Cousins because we've seen so far the formula for winning you know, as a recent has been getting a rookie quarterback on that contract and having him be so phenomenally great. There have been a few outliers like Tom Brady going to Tampa, but that team was established. But when you look at the teams in the AFC, Josh Allen with the Bills, Mahomes with the Chiefs, Lamar Jackson with the Ravens, um, Baker with the Browns, they're all quarterbacks on rookie deals that the teams have been able to surround them with a bunch of talent because of those rookie deals.
1: Yeah, and I was just saying about the 49ers, you know, I, I don't know if, I think they should be, they have the talent to be in win now mode, but with, like you said, the way the division is shaping out, the Rams and the, C, and the Seahawks are going for it right now. The Cardinals are still kind of building up towards that, but how long are the Seahawks and Rams going to be able to hold that together? You know, I feel like they're just, piecemealing things together right now with their money situation and everything so in two or three years with the young talent that the Niners have say they draft a quarterback this year or next year they could be that top dog at the division if they don't sell out for a quarterback this year so I do think they are in win now mode but do they have to be? I don't think they have to be like they haven't shoehorned themselves in a position like the Rams or a team like the saints who, where they've sold everything out for a championship right now. And they've kind of bet away their future, gambled away their future for guys who are going to help win a championship at this moment.
0: I mean, I can see where you're coming from, but in terms of, I mean, you talk about how long do these teams have Russell Wilson is going to be Russell Wilson for, for a while. So You know, that's going to be a long wait if you're waiting on Russell Wilson to decline. Colin Murray is coming up. And Matthew Stafford, he's 32-33, I think one of those, but he still has about five years left, especially when you see how quarterbacks have been aging as of recent. So it's not like the 49ers can just sit out the season and be like, we're not trying to be in a win now. Like, they have all the talent and tools to be a win now team and to make the Super Bowl. This past year was an offseason because everybody was injured. But in terms of talent... I mean, I think everybody, 49ers fans, the front office, the players, they all think they're going to win now right now. Like, I think that's the only thing they're thinking about.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. It's just tough in that division. It's like, when do when you go for it? That's that's the difference between the great GMs in the league and the ones that don't pan out. you got to know when the time is to, to make your move and that's going to be the decision for the 49ers this offseason. Do they think that this is their window? Do they think they have that window to go out and sell sell off what they have to to improve those chances? It's just tough in, a, in such a stacked division. You know, you could make all those moves and build yourself up to be a contender, but with, with that competition, you just never know.
0: So the next part of the show, we're going to give our predictions for the NFL Award winners That's MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year, and Coach of the Year. We'll start out with MVP. I'll go first. I think this should be a no-brainer. It should be kind of even a uh, unanimous MVP. That's Aaron Rodgers. He has 10 more passing touchdowns than Patrick Mahomes, who I think was second place. He has 4,299 yards. 48 touchdowns, five interceptions, 71% completion percentage. Aaron Rodgers was phenomenal this past season and he should be the unanimous MVP.
1: Yeah, I agree completely and I don't I I think you would have a hard time finding anybody to argue anything else without a total bias towards, you know, their guy. Aaron Rodgers was the most valuable player in the NFL this season. He really carried that Packers team as far as they went. And you know maybe one or two decisions go a different way, and we're watching them in Tampa Bay this weekend. Um, but he he had an incredible season statistically; it was one of the best of his career, and it, it was because of him that that Packers offense was as good as it was.
0: So the next award is the Offensive Player of the Year. Before I give my pick, I want to give this player some love. That player is Travis Kelsey. He's had five straight seasons of a thousand yards receiving. This past season, he had 1,400 yards receiving. He's doing some historic stuff. But for me, how can you not give the Offensive Player of the Year to Derrick Henry, a guy who rushed for 2,000 yards and had 17 touchdowns, about five yards per carry? I think Derrick Henry has to be the Offensive Player of the Year this season.
1: And I'll agree with you again. I'm going with Derrick Henry for the Offensive Player of the Year. We talk about that Titans offense and it is so versatile. They had two near thousand yard receivers in Corey Davis and AJ Brown. They had Ryan Tannehill, who had an incredible year. Um, but Derrick Henry, I feel like, is the engine that makes that offense run. Without him, the whole dynamic of the offense would change. If it really starts with him and his domination in the ground attack. He's one of the most unstoppable players in the game. And when he gets going, you know, you've seen it. He had some slow games this year, but when he really gets in the zone and he gets going, there's nobody in the league that can stop him, and he showed that a bunch of times this year, so I'm going with him, Offensive Player of the Year.
0: My Defensive Player of the Year is going to be a surprise. It's not going to be Aaron Donald. Um, My Defensive Player of the Year is Xavier Howard. I think he had a phenomenal season, top five cornerback season, no doubt about it. But this guy had 10 interceptions this season. That's the most since Antonio Camardi did it in 2007. Xavier Howard was phenomenal for the, uh, for the Dolphins. He anchored a defense who was one of the top defenses in the NFL in the Dolphins. And the only reason they were in the playoff hunt anyway. I mean, the Dolphins as a whole were great, but Xavier Howard, week in and week out, stood out. He also intercepted Patrick Mahomes, so he's had some really great games. I just even as great as Aaron Donald is and other defensive players you can mention in that name in those in that bracket I think what Xavier Howard did done has not been done for 14 years so I think he deserves to be the defensive player of the year.
1: Yeah, this one was a tough one to pick. I ended up going with TJ Watt. I think he had a great year, led the NFL in sacks with 15, 23 tackles for loss, 40 quarterback hits. So he, he had an incredible year, and he was part of the best defense in the league. He was a big part, one of the best defenses, I should say, not the best. But he was a huge part in making that defense go. And we saw t- towards the tail end of that season, the defense was really holding that team together. And I feel like he played a huge part in that. He was my defensive player of the year this season.
0: My Offensive Rookie of the Year should come to no surprise. I think it's Justin Herbert. Even though Justin Jefferson had a phenomenal season, a great historic season, the quarterback position is a hard position to play. And for Justin Herbert to come in in his rookie year and throw for 4,000 yards, 31 touchdowns, and only 10 interceptions is insanely impressive. He had the by far the greatest rookie quarterback season in NFL history. And because of that, he should win the Offensive Rookie of the Year.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's a two-horse race. I don't think anybody would question that. It comes down to the two Justins, Jefferson and Herbert, but I'm going to ride with Justin Herbert. We've talked about it in much detail before on this channel, Um, but I just think, like you said, him playing the quarterback position on a Chargers team that, yes, they underperformed, but I feel like a lot of it was circumstances out of his control, and he played great in spite of of the issues are surrounding him on that team. The special teams wasn't great. The defense was bad. The coaching game management was terrible. So despite all of that, he still had them as one of the most competitive teams in the league for a team with a below 500 record. They had the most one score losses or losses in one score games in the NFL. So I just feel like what he did with that team at the quarterback position was super impressive, but realistically you can't go wrong with either of these guys they both had historical seasons and i don't think anybody
0: will forget this rookie class for a long time so for my defensive rookie of the year i wanted to go with somebody outside of chase young i was thinking maybe antoine winfield but then i looked at his stats and they just don't compare to chase young i think chase young should win this award by far i think everybody knew he was going to be this great there were some people who kind of Hated a little bit and didn't think so, but he was great. He had 10 tackles for losses, 12 quarterbacks hit seven and a half sacks, four forced fumbles, four passes defended, and three fumble recoveries. Chase Young was a huge reason as to why Washington was that great of a defense. And because of that, I I, I mean, I don't see another rookie in this class on the defensive side of the ball that, was as dominant as Chase Young was this past season.
1: Yeah, and there were some really good defensive rookies, and I hate to be, you know, drawn up chalk here, but it has to be Chase Young. He was incredible. He was all, every, every bit of the generational talent he was made out to be. I was glad to see it because I was a huge Chase Young fan coming into this draft, and he really blew up that, that Washington football team defense and, and the change, the leap that they took from last year to this year, I feel like he was a huge part of that and a huge part of them being a playoff team and being in a playoff game. So he had an incredible year. You reeled off the stats and I feel like he is more than deserving of the defensive rookie of the year.
0: So my next guy, comeback player of the year. How can this not go to anybody besides Alex Smith? Like you can look at the stats and make a case for Big Ben, no doubt about it. And if you're looking at the stats, Alex Smith probably should not be Comeback Player of the Year. But we know that that award is much more than just what you did statistically. Coming back from a life-threatening injury, an injury that could have caused through your own leg, your leg could have been amputated, to come back to football and to lead a team to the playoffs, like Alex Smith did, regardless of his stats, deserves huge recognition. And this is another award that I think it should be unanimous nobody should have an argument about who the comeback player of the year should be. It's Alex Smith.
1: Yeah. And shout out to big Ben. He would probably win this award any other season. But when you think about the comeback player of the year award, it's not about what you do on the field. It's about what you've done off the field and what made you come back in the first place. And there is no comeback story maybe in the history of sports like Alex Smith so for him to do what he did, if, if you haven't seen it or read about it, go read about it because it is an incredibly inspiring story. The fact that he's even able to be alive, walk again, let alone make a football team and play and, and help lead his team to a division title. Absolutely incredible. It's it, it should be runaway. It shouldn't even be a competition. He should get every first place vote. Alex Smith is the comeback player of the year.
0: And now for Coach of the Year, we might have two different answers. I'm not sure. We'll see. My Coach of the Year is Kevin Stefanski. He got the Browns to the playoffs for the first time since 1994. No, since the first time since 2002. The Browns won their first playoff game since 1994. And Stefanski leading the Browns to 11 11-5 record. The only thing that changed about the Browns was them signing Austin Hooper, having some rookie receivers, and... Their coach. I think the biggest change to the Browns was their coach. Going from Freddie Kitchens to Kevin Stefanski, I mean, he changed around that offense. Baker Mayfield played like Kirk Cousins last season. He had a breakout year, and Kevin Stefanski was a huge part of that. I think the Browns found their coach in the future, found their coach of the future, and you can make the case for Brian Flores, but Flores didn't make the playoffs. You know, Kevin Stefanski did, and because of that, I think he deserves to be the coach of the year.
1: Yeah, I think there are a bunch of guys who are deserving of this award this year, and I probably would have said Stefanski, but if for no other reason than to differ from you, I'll say another name that I think is very deserving. Ron Rivera, I think he came into a, an adverse situation there in Washington between the changing of the name, the controversies with the owner, and everything that came out this past offseason. A team that really was pretty devoid of talent last season, and then coming into this year, having the issues with Dwayne Haskins, having to go through cancer treatment treatments at halftime of games, just an incredible story. And for him to, regardless of the record, take this team to the playoffs in his first season there, I feel like spoke volumes about him. He's been a great coach since he came into the league. And I feel like even if he doesn't win this, he deserves some recognition as a potential coach of the year.
0: Yeah, that's a great pick. If it wasn't, you know, I didn't even think about Ron Rivera. But, you know, what you just said, going through the cancer treatments, dealing with Dwayne Haskins, and leading the team to the playoffs, I think, you know, he should be in that running for coach of the year. Definitely him, Flores, and Stefanski. Those are our predictions for the NFL Awards. The NFL Honors are this Saturday or Sunday. It's one of those. But this weekend, we'll know who wins each and every award, and those are our predictions for those said awards. Now... These next couple of segments, these next four segments are what I'm really excited for. It's our offseason predictions for the AFC East teams, our dream scenarios for these teams. We're going to start out with our favorite team, the New York Jets. The New York Jets have a lot of offseason, off-season intrigue this offseason, right? Do they trade for Deshaun Watson? Do they draft Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, or Trey Lance? Who do they sign in free agency? And Jack and I, we're going to give you what we think the Jets' dream offseason looks like. So for me, no doubt about it, we trade for Deshaun Watson. Trade that second overall pick along with many other picks. We trade for Deshaun Watson. Get him with the Jets. And Jack, who's been a guy that's been very vocal about Deshaun Watson getting to the Jets? I would believe it would be Richard Sherman. Yeah, and since he's very vocal, get him with the Jets too. Sign Richard Sherman. We need some secondary help. So I'd sign Richard Sherman. I'd also go out and sign Allen Robinson. Get that number one wide receiver who has been plagued with bad quarterback play in Chicago and another guy, a slept-on signing. Let's be honest. Chris Herndon has been a disappointment. With with Robert here and... and, uh, and uh, Mike LaFleur as the OC. We're probably going to have a run-oriented offense, whether it's with Deshaun Watson or not. So who would be a perfect tight end for that system? I think Mo Ali cox a tight end who can block really well and who also has shown the ability to be a pretty good pass catcher. I'd sign him. I'd also sign James White to be a receiving back in the backfield, and I'd also sign either one of these three guys, Ryan Kerrigan to be the net edge rusher, Yannick Ngakwe, or Joe Thune, because we need a guard badly, I'd sign them. So my dream offseason in free agency would be getting Deshaun Watson, Richard Sherman, Allen Robinson, Mo cox and Joe Thune, and also an edge rusher. And if we don't trade for Watson, I'd do everything that we, I just said we'd do, but i draft Trey Lance with the second overall pick. I know that's a hot take, but I'm really high on Trey Lance, and i draft Trey Lance. With the second overall pick, in terms of our free agents, Breshard Perriman's free agent, Brian Poole, Bradley McDougal, Jordan Jenkins, Neville Hewitt, Patrick Onwasar, Marcus May, Flacco, Matthias Fairley, Frank Gore, Pat Elfline, Arthur Millette, Terrell Basham, and Frankie Luvu. For me, I think I'd re-sign Brian Poole. I wouldn't re-sign Jordan Jenkins because I think we're going to move our defensive scheme and he doesn't fit in a 4-3. So I'd resign Brian Poole, Marcus May, and that's about it. Everybody else can go. Outside of Brian Poole and Marcus May, everybody else can go. And then in the draft, I mean, I think if we don't get a, if we don't get a tight end in free agency, i draft Brevin Jordan out of Miami. I think he's a very good tight end. Of course, in the first round, I already said I'd draft Trey Lance if we do have that pick. And also, I think some people to look out for are Justin Ross out of Clemson, the wide receiver. He's really good and Jalen Phillips, an edge rusher out of Miami who's freakishly athletic and can slide to the second round of the draft, I'd go with those guys. And if we need a guard, I'd go with probably Elijah Vera Tucker or White Davis out of Ohio State just to fill in those gaps. But that's my dream scenario for the Jets offseason. We need a wide receiver. We need a running back. We need a tight end. We need secondary help. We need an edge rusher. We need a lot of positions, but I think we start with those building blocks.
1: Yeah, and I'll start in the same exact place you did. I feel like the can't-miss move this offseason is trading for Deshaun Watson. He is a game-changing talent. He's a top-three quarterback in the league, and I know a lot of people are saying, well, what's the difference between him playing for the Texans and playing for the Jets? If you trade you know, whatever you have to give up to get him, they still aren't going to have the talent there. First of all, the Jets are already more talented in my eyes than the Houston Texans were last year. Second of all, they have the second most cap space in the NFL, which I'm going to get into. And even with whatever they have to give up to get Deshaun Watson, thanks to the Jamal Adams trade, their draft capital is not going to take that big of a hit, depending on what the value of Deshaun Watson is going to be. But I think the fact that we have or the Jets have, I should say, the second overall pick is going to be huge in a potential trade for Deshaun Watson because the Texans can take the second overall pick and draft their guy. If they trade with the Dolphins and get the number three pick and they don't believe in Tua, they have to wait on somebody else picking a two, the Jets, who need a quarterback, and they're left with the scrap heap of whoever the Jets don't want. And maybe their guy is Zach Wilson and the Jets get him at two. So I feel like that number two pick has incredible value. It's almost like a number one pick because we all know who's going number one. And that pick is untouchable. It's going to be Trevor Lawrence. So this, the number two pick is essentially the number one pick this year with the rest of the field, because Trevor Lawrence is in a different world. That's not even on the table. So I feel like that pick is super, super valuable. So I think you give up a first round pick this year, next year and 2023 and some later round picks, maybe throw in Sam Darnold if they want him get that deal done, and hopefully keep that later first-round pick this year because I think there are some targets out there for the Jets. You talked about potential free agents this year that are leaving. I would say, like you mentioned, the big two signings would be Brian Poole. I would bring him back. He's been a great slot corner for us the past two seasons, one of the better ones in the league, and Marcus May. I think he's been a super underrated safety, and he was great for us this year. He was our best defensive player. Toss up with Quinn and Williams, but he was our best player in the secondary by far. I do think they could use another cornerback, which personally I would address through the draft. And speaking about the draft with that late first round pick, which I can I, I hope they would keep in a deal for Deshaun Watson. I think there are a couple names to look out for one, I would say JC Horn would be a nice pick. He, he's had a great season in, in college football, and I feel like he would be a great addition to that. Jets secondary, still trying to rebuild that. I know Bryce Love came on late and, and had a solid season, but Br- uh, J.C. Horn out of South Carolina, I believe, would be a nice pickup. Some other guys that could or couldn't be on the board, Gregory Rousseau. rousseau however you pronounce his name i've heard he's sliding back in the draft a little bit he's a crazy raw talent and if you could get him in as your edge rusher you know and and you get him in the building with robert sala i feel like that would be a good pick to fill that hole at edge rusher and then also some guards you mentioned Wyatt davis and um ali uh vera tucker however you pronounce his name i feel like those two guys would be good targets that pick but that 23rd pick could be very instrumental in filling a big hole with a day one starter. So uh, that'll be an interesting pick. A name I want them to look at late, Dwayne Eskridge out of Western Western Michigan, I believe. Yeah, out of Western Michigan. He's been a slept on receiver in this class. And I feel like he can slide into one of the later rounds. And with our need a receiver, I feel like he could be a good guy to bring in with a later round draft pick. And we have a bunch of draft capital. So that'll be an interesting name to look at um getting the free agency they have all the money in the world that you could possibly imagine i would say a couple names to look out for first things first the wide receiver position has to be addressed the big names Allen robinson chris godwin kenny galladay those should be the three names that they are mainly looking at Corey davis could also be in the mix maybe a guy like curtis samuel but i have my eyes set on one of those main three guys personally I think that would be a game changer. Getting one of those three with Deshaun Watson would totally turn around this offense. Uh, Moving to the offensive line, I feel like there's still a hole at that guard spot. So whether it's Joe Thune or Brandon Scherf, although I think Scherf will stay in Washington, one of those two guys I feel like would really solidify that offensive line. And then you draft another guard and, and you have a line pretty much set for the next five or so years. So I feel like one of those two guys would be a great pickup. Then moving to the defensive side of the ball, edge rusher. If you don't address it in the draft, you have to address it in free agency. And it's a great year for the edge rusher position. One name I think they can look at is Romeo Aquara from the lions. We talked about him before he had a good season. It remains to be seen if it was a breakout type year or just an outlier in a contract season, but he's a guy that you could bring in. Trey Hendrickson is another free agent from the saints. He had a huge season And the Saints are in a terrible money situation, so I don't think he'll end up back there. But edge rusher is another position that needs to be addressed. And then just filling out the holes, you know, I think they'll end up bringing back a couple of those potential free agents that they're losing this offseason just to fill out the roster. But the big name guys I would look at would be the receivers, the big three of those top receivers. The offensive line, I feel like those two guys in Joe Thune and Brandon Scherf would be main targets. The edge rusher, there are so many names. I could keep going on. Bud Dupree is another one, but there are so many. Leonard Floyd, filling that hole is huge. And then bringing in Deshaun Watson. I, I think that move would really set us ahead tenfold in our rebuild. So, you know, you make those moves and you could look at maybe contending for a playoff spot.
0: You know, for me... um, I wouldn't bring in Leonard Floyd because I think he's a 3-4 outside linebacker. I think we're going to change our scheme to a 4-3. At least I think we should because we should move Quentin Williams back to his natural position. And we can have um, Fadakazi and Quentin Williams at the interior of the defensive line at those two DT positions. You put John Franklin Myers on the outside and then complement him with somebody else. So I don't think Leonard Floyd would fit in that scheme nor would I think Bud Dupree would fit, because I think he's a four, he's a three, four outside linebacker too. But for me, I think we all know that Sam Darnold is not coming back to the Jets. At least I don't think so. You know, Robert Sala didn't commit to him. And if you don't commit to a quarterback, it's because he's pretty much gone. Let's just be honest. That's what's going to happen. So if we don't go the route of trading Deshaun Watson, which it feels like the Texans are very stingy about that and they might not buck, I'd draft Trey Lance. For me, I think... Zach Wilson, he's very good. He has a lot of talent, but I'm still worried about his frame at the next level. He's very skinny, and I think if he takes a big hit, he can get hurt. When we talk about Justin Fields, I think he stares down his number one wide receiver way too often. Trey Lance is like the happy medium for me. He has all the physical tools. He didn't throw in interceptions in 2019, so you know his decision-making is on par, even though it was against lower competition. And I think... In a right system, Trey Lance can really flourish and people are sleeping on Trey Lance because of the competition he played and he didn't play the entire 2020 season, so he's kind of going under the radar, but I think he is the gem outside of Trevor Lawrence in this quarterback draft class.
1: Yeah, if it was me and and the Jets don't trade for Deshaun Watson, I would take Zach Wilson to two. I would stay away from Justin Fields. I think you kind of hit on it. I think he's a one-read quarterback, so I, I think feel like he needs a lot of work to make it work at the next level and I think he can get there but I don't think he's the right guy for the Jets I feel like Zach Wilson would make more sense he said it himself he's a perfect fit for a Shanahan type 49ers offense which is what I think is going to be brought over here to the Jets and maybe they do stick with Sam Darnold because I feel like he's another guy that would fit in that 49ers type offense so there are a bunch of different directions they can go in. If they keep Sam Darnold, they could trade back and maybe get a guy like Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddle or one of those top three receivers in the draft. I also think they need to address the hole at running back. Who, who do they really have at that position next year? Lamichael P. Ryan will be the number one on the depth chart going into next year. So if they get out a running back, but I don't think they should splurge on one like an Aaron Jones. I, I feel like an, a more underrated option would be the way to go. There are so many names out there. Even a guy like Leonard Fournette, maybe coming off a solid season with the Buccaneers. Uh, I, I don't think he would command as much money as one of those top guys, but I, I feel like there are a bunch of running back names to look at. And another guy you mentioned, I forgot to Richard Sherman. He's essentially, put the pen to the paper with the way he's talked about Robert Sala getting him in as not only a viable cornerback option but a perfect leader to put in that defensive room and the cornerback room with some young talent I know Bryce Love he he had a great job Bryce Hall. Bryce, Hall, Bryce Hall had a great season last year towards the end of the year so you could get him in there with Richard Sherman and be a perfect little mentorship so I feel like he would be a great fit, but there is a bunch of different directions. When, when you're a team like the Jets, who definitely have holes at multiple positions and the draft capital and the money they have, there are so many different directions they could go in. But I feel like the can't miss move would be trading for Deshaun Watson.
0: Yeah, I think so as well. But when we talk about free agency, I think well, we can at max sign two, maybe three big name free agents. If we do that, I think it's Allen Robinson and Joe Thune. Those are the two guys that I'd go with. And when talking about um, our cap space and our cap situation, I think that we can splurge on free agency, but I I don't think that we should. And you talked about the running back position. We don't want this to be another Le'Veon Bell situation where we where we go and sign Aaron Jones. So we know that we can get running backs for cheap, whether that's bringing in a Matt Breida who didn't get to play much in Miami, whether that's bringing in a Tevin Coleman, who's a free agent as well. There are a lot of options at the running back position. Mike Davis, James White, just to name a few. So the Jets don't really have to try to get a cornerstone cornerstone running back. We can have a running back by committee system, which is what Shanahan does regardless.
1: Yeah, and I don't think that splurging for a running back is the recipe for success, anywhere in the NFL. I feel like the one the one outlier I would say is the Titans where they've paid Derrick Henry and he really has been that dude in Tennessee, but even when you look at the top teams in the NFL who is paying a running back big money? I just don't think it's the right way to go about things and I don't think it's the right way for the Jets to go about it. You said it perfectly. They have room for two or three big name signings. One I would go for a wide receiver because there are so many good options out there. You really can't miss And then two, I feel like the guard position is one that I would rather an NFL veteran rather than throwing a rookie into the fire or throwing two rookies into the fire, I should say, because they're really looking to fill two guard spots this offseason. So if you can get one of them with a solidified NFL veteran, I feel like that would be the right way to go. Edge rusher, I would feel more comfortable taking in the draft. Cornerback, I feel like you can get a little bit cheaper and through the draft, so Wide receiver and guard would be the two positions I would heavily target in free agency.
0: Yeah, I agree. And that's our dream offseason for the New York Jets. The next team we're going to talk about is the Miami Dolphins. There has been no rumors that they're going to move on from Tua. So the Miami Dolphins going into this offseason, they have cap space, they have draft capital, and they have what they hope to be their franchise quarterback in Tua Tagovailoa. I'll go first in terms of what I think the Dolphins should do in the draft, and then you can you know, piggyback on that. I think you build around Tua. I don't think the Dolphins are going to trade for Deshaun Watson, at least at this moment. There has been no real reports or real traction of that happening. And because of that, I think the Dolphins stick with Tua. And the wide receiver that plays to Tua's strengths the most is Devontae Smith because he can create separation, and Tua – has shown an ability not to throw the the football at receivers who are kind of in 50-50 situations. He has to see you be wide open, and that's when he's going to make the throw. I think Devontae Smith is the perfect guy for that. Even though I think Jamar Chase might have the edge over him in terms of who's better, I think for the Miami Dolphins system and to fit Tua, Devontae Smith is the pick to go. And... The Dolphins need a guard, kind of like the Jets. They need a guard. Wyatt Davis is out there. Elijah Vera Tucker is out there. And I also think that the Dolphins, if they want to compliment and get another tackle in the building, they should look at Rashawn Slater long and hard. Because Rashawn Slater, he's a guy who's getting slept on. And Pena Sewell is like the, the gem of this draft. But Rashawn Slater is not that far off from him. So I think that's what the Dolphins should do in this draft. You draft Devontae Smith, and you get some depth at the on the offensive line with your later pick.
1: Yeah, starting with—I'll start with the Deshaun Watson talk. I will say, things that you say can change at any time in the NFL, and we've heard it time and time again— You know, the Giants said that they didn't re-sign Odell Beckham just to trade him, and then they traded him. The Cardinals said Josh Rosen was their guy, and then a month later, they went out and drafted Kyler Murray, so on and so forth. I will say what the Dolphins said about Tua Tagovailoa, I believe the quote was something along the lines of, he is our starting quarterback. It was pretty assertive that he was going to be their guy. It wasn't a, uh, you know, try and walk around the question type quote where they were saying well he's our starting quarterback today they were saying he's our starting quarterback he's our future and I feel like they really do believe in him despite what their actions may have shown this offseason or this last season so I think he's going to be their guy moving forward and I think they're going to look to build around him which I don't think is a bad decision because they can improve that offense this offseason and it would start with the third overall pick And that could go two ways. You could either take Panay Sewell, who is supposedly a generational talent at the tackle position, and you could shore up that offensive line for Tua Tagovailoa, or you can go out and get a receiver. I agree with you. I would take Devonta Smith. I think he's the perfect receiver for Tua Tagovailoa. I feel like his playmaking ability, his ability to move after the catch and gain yards after the catch, and then also his ability to – make tough catches in traffic guarded tightly he is the perfect all-around type receiver for Tua Tagovailoa and I feel like he would be the selection at number two overall that offense is really what needs work I would also think about re-signing a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick just in case you know look what happened this past year with Tua Tagovailoa we didn't think that after he started he would be coming off the field but you know, maybe we go into the season and Tua isn't what they expect him to be. They're going to need that backup quarterback. So I feel like bringing Ryan Fitzpatrick in, the continuity and the leadership that he brings would be a smart decision. And then also their money, I think they should look at targeting one of those big three wide receivers, like I mentioned for the Jets. Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, and Kenny Galladay, three great free free agent wide receivers. If they could bring in one of those guys, along with Devonta Smith, add in Devontae Parker, add in Mike Kaseki at tight end, a potential running back that they could bring in. That offense would be loaded. You're surrounding Tua Tagovailoa with weapons, and I feel like that's what needs to happen, especially on the offensive side of the ball. When you look at their upcoming free agents, I really don't think they need to bring that many of them back. I think they did a great job last offseason with their money and their picks setting themselves up for this year. And I think they're in a really good position, but I think offense is the side of the ball that they really need to look at. Their defense was so good last year. If you could add weapons like an Allen Robinson and a Devonta Smith with two attack of Iloa, you're looking at a team that won 11 games last year. What could they be this year adding those weapons to that offense?
0: You know, for me, I think the Dolphins, they have some free agents that they should bring back like Cougar Hill. I think you should bring him back. Um, if you're not going to sign a guy like Devondre Campbell, because the Dolphins need more linebackers that can cover. And I think Devondre Campbell would be a huge addition. But for me, you bring back Fitz just to have a backup quarterback. Matt Breida, he's probably gone. But Ted Carras, the center they signed last season that came from the Patriots, you have to bring him back. I think Ted Carras did an excellent job with the Dolphins at the time he was there. And he has shown to be a great locker room presence. For me in free agency, I think. The Dolphins should address the running back position and they should get another edge rusher for me. If I'm the Dolphins because of their cap space and because Tua is on a rookie quarterback, I would look at Aaron Jones. I think Aaron Jones in Miami, they fit really well. We know that Chan Gailey is out. I think the Dolphins are going to have co-coordinators in uh, Eric Studsfell and George Godsey. So I would go with Aaron Jones and have a number one back and then have a uh, What's the guy's name from the Dolphins? I was a running back this past season, the receiving back. I forgot his name. Matt Breida. Nah, it was or, another. Or um, I had him on my fantasy. Miles Gaskin. Miles Gaskin, exactly. Or Miles Gaskin, he's huge. So he's a good receiving back. So if you can get Aaron Jones to be that every down back, and just have Miles Gaskin come in every now and then, that would be a huge compliment. But for me, I think the free agents they should target is our running back. Of course, guard Joe Thuny or Brandon Sheriff, and at safety. I think they can upgrade at safety. I'd bring in Jaquisky Tart to fill in at safety position. The 49ers don't have a lot of money and they have a bunch of free agents, so I think Jaquisky Tart is a guy who's really low on the list to, of guys to bring back. And the Dolphins should upgrade that secondary. Even though the Dolphins defense was good this past season in terms of points allowed, they gave up a lot of yards. Which means that teams just didn't capitalize on their opportunities, and how many seasons it is, is how many seasons realistically is Xavier and Howard going to have ten plus ten interceptions? Probably not many. This was probably an outlier year. They can't just rely on turnovers in terms of stopping offenses. they have to not allow many yards, and that's something they have to work at. so I think their secondary is fine. But they need to bring in another edge rusher, another linebacker, and I think upgrade at secondary at the safety position as well.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned edge rusher. I think I think that that's a position they could target in the draft potentially. A guy like Jalen Phillips out of Miami, perfect fit coming from Miami to Miami. He's a guy I've thought about for the Jets, but he he's possesses some great talent at that edge rusher position. I agree. I think they should look at guard and not only guard but center. A guy they could target there is John Feliciano, uh, a very talented center, and, and just shore up that offensive He's line. He's a guard. Oh, uh, yeah. I thought that he played the center position
0: last year. That's Mitch Morse. Yeah. John My Feliciano's mistake. guard,
1: yeah. But I, I think they they should build up that offensive line in free agency and get a wide receiver in free agency, but then also add a wide receiver or if they wanted to go Panay Sewell with that third overall pick, I feel like they can't go wrong either way. But I think that Seawell or Devontae Smith should be the pick at three and then build the offensive line and the wide receivers through free agency.
0: So for me, if they don't get a running back in free agency, of course, they should look at getting Najee Harris and having that Alabama reunion between Devontae Smith, Najee Harris, and Tua, or maybe getting a guy like Chuba Hubbard, Travis Etienne. These are all guys, Javante Williams out of North Carolina. These are all guys they should target. But obviously, this season, this offseason is about building around to a, getting to a, a number one wide receiver or just a receiver to complement Devonte Parker. I don't think they, sh- they need to get two receivers because I actually like Jakeem Grant. He's a good speedy slot receiver for them. I would just look at getting Devontae Smith and maybe signing, signing another guy. But I think with Devontae Smith, Devontae Parker, Mike Gasicki, and Jakeen Grant, they will be a formidable team. Also, if they get a good running back, they'll be a very good team. So I don't think they have to do too much and go crazy because I think they're already a really good team.
1: Yeah, they put themselves in a good position last year to be set up for this season. Um the running back position is another one you mentioned. I think that they are a team that's in a position they could splurge for a guy like Aaron Jones to help out a quarterback into a tackle of ILO that we saw last year, Brian Flores seemed a little timid with him. So if you could bring in an elite running back talent, like I would call Aaron Jones at least near that elite tier of running backs in the league. So if you could bring in a great talent like that, a running back to help make Tua's life easier and surround him with those weapons, I feel like it would help his development a lot coming into the season. Another name on the offensive line, Corey Lindsley, who did a great job yeah. with the Packers. I feel like he could be a nice addition, and the Packers aren't in the best cap situation, so he could be a guy who who ends up cutting ties with the Packers just due to money. So another name that they could target for that offensive line, but that that I, I feel like everything starts with the offensive side of the ball this offseason for the Dolphins.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. The next team that we're going to talk about is the Buffalo Bills they have a lot of notable free agents. Their free agents are Trent Murphy, Tyler Croft, Josh Norman, John Feliciano, Brian Winters, Andre Roberts, Daryl Williams, Levi Wallace, and Matt Milano. In my opinion, the perfect dream scenario would be you got to resign Matt Milano. I know some mock drafts have the Bills taking a linebacker. I'm pretty sure uh, John Bolton's name came up. But, I mean, Nick Bolton's name came up. But for me, Matt Milano, when he's on the field, the Bills are, a, are a just they're a different defense. They cannot afford to let Matt Milano go because he's so good at blitzing and he's so good at covering. You can't let him go. And also, the Bills can create $20-plus million in cap space by releasing John Brown, Quentin Jefferson, and Cole Beasley. They can create 16 plus million if they release just... Quinn and Jefferson and John Brown, and I think that's what they will and should do because I think Gabe Davis has shown he can he can take a next step to be a very good wide receiver in this league. He was rookie last year; he had a very good season. I think you should have him start next year. For me, you sign back Daryl Williams, Matt Milano, and one of the guards, John Feliciano, preferably, and in free agency. You got to target an edge rusher because that's the position they need the most, whether it's Trey Hendrickson or even a guy who's slept on but who gets a lot of sacks is Marcus Golden, who was with the Giants and last previous year was with the Cardinals. He's another good guy. And you also got to get some secondary help because I don't think Josh Norman is the same and Levi Wallace has shown his tendencies to not be that reliable at times. You're not going to like this pick because he's a Jet but Brian Poole would be perfect for the Buffalo Bills. They would have a, a good, very good slot corner, and Brian Poole would make that secondary really good. So for me, I think the Bills don't have to fill much positions. I think they can address the guard position in the draft. They can sign a corner. Of course, you've re-signed Matt Milano, but as of now, the only positions plaguing the Bills are edge rusher and running back. And like I mean, like, seriously plaguing the Bills are edge rusher and running back. Outside of that... I think they're good.
1: Yeah, I think the Bills are in a great position this offseason. Their money situation isn't great, but I agree. They should look into making some cuts, especially the wide receiver position, John Brown and Cole Beasley. They've been great for the Bills the past few years, but I would let them walk and save that money. Um, I think there are two free agents they should really look at bringing back. One is Matt Milano for all the reasons you said. He is such an integral part of that defense defense. And two, I feel like they should look at bringing back at least one of the offensive linemen that are free agents this off season. And the guy that I would bring back is Darrell Williams at that right tackle position. Um, I, I don't think they're going to be able to bring back all three with their money situation, but between Brian Winters, John Feliciano and Darrell Williams, Darrell Williams is the guy that I would keep. And then I would look to maybe fill in those two guard spots during the draft at some point. Um, but I don't think they're in bad shape. Offensively, I would argue, I, I would attempt to target maybe a, a lower-tier wide receiver. Obviously, it's a very deep class, but I think there are some names towards the bottom. A guy who was a Jet this past year, Brashad Perryman, I think would be a nice pairing with Stephon Diggs. You could probably get him for cheap because he didn't have a great season statistically. And just to give a, a viable number two, if you're getting rid of John Brown and Cole Beasley, I also like Gabe Davis but I do think that adding in a more established number two slash number three type would be the right move for this offense. I would like to see them go out and give Josh Allen an extension. I think that he's earned it and it would, it would help them out moving forward with the season. So that's not something that looms over them all year. We've seen it in the past, how contract negotiations during the season can go wrong. So I feel like getting it done now this offseason would be a smart move. And you mentioned edge rusher. There are so many names that are available. One guy that I would target, I I don't know if they'll have the money to sign him, depending on where they go elsewhere, but I would look at Shaq Barrett. He had an incredible season with the Buccaneers. I mean, he's one of the best in the league at the edge rushing position, and he would really make that defense Uh, one of the better units in the league if you could bring him in and shore up that one big hole on the defense. So if you bring in a guy like Shaq Barrett, it will be huge. But there's a bunch of guys at that position, even if it's a guy like Yannick Ngakwe, Trey Hendrickson, Matthew Judon. So there are a bunch of different ways that they could go with that edge-rushing position. But I feel like that's the the big need they need to address. So if they're going to bring in one big free agent, it should be at the edge-rushing position.
0: So for me, I, I would not cut Cole Beasley, even though I think the, the money does make sense for them to do it. But I think I would not cut Cole Beasley. But if they do go that route, then I wouldn't bring in Brashar Perryman because he's an outside wide receiver. He can't really line up anywhere else in the field. He's not that good. And I wouldn't even say he's an established wide receiver. He's, he's a risk as well, especially with his injury history. I think Gabe Davis can be that second wide receiver. And for me, I'd bring in a guy in Kendrick Bourne to be that slot receiver, and to help out the Bills in there, and I think even though I like Dawson Knox, he hasn't been what, what we thought he was going to be. He had a pretty good rookie season and really didn't build off of that. I'd bring in another receiver at tight end who is not a very good blocker, but a very good receiver in Gerald Everett. I think Gerald Everett is going to be cheap. He's fast, and he can line up anywhere on the field. He's not a very good blocker, but I think the Bills can live with that, especially since they're not a Run heavy offense, but we all know running back is a is the position that the that the Bills should look to get. I don't think they should spend big money on anybody in this class. I think you draft a running back, and of course, the name that pops up is Najee Harris, but he's probably going to be a first rounder or early second rounder. So for me, I draft Trey Sermon with the late round pick or in the third round or the first fourth round. I draft Trey Sermon. I think. He can be that power back that the Bills want and they need. And Trey Sermon, he's shown enough in big games with Ohio State that he can be that horse, horse work back, that workhorse running back. So I draft him, and instead in the first round, if I'm the Bills, I look to build the guard position and the offensive line because like you said, I don't think they bring back Brian Winters, and John Feliciano is a big question mark. So you got to bring in a guy at guard. I'd go with Wyatt Davis, but there's also guys like Elijah Vera Tucker that you can very well go with. So you can go with one of these guys, but you got to fill in that guard position. And obviously, in my opinion, an offensive line, regardless of position, is more important than the running back. So you got to have a good offensive line before you have a great running back. they got to build that first. Draft Trey Sermon later in the draft.
1: Yeah, I agree. I would go guard with the first round pick and, and try and build up that offensive line, not, not only now, but for the future, because you're probably going to be looking to keep this court together for the next couple of years. I think they have a really good, young, talented team. I don't think they have to do much this offseason, but there are a couple of positions of need. The edge rusher is the first one that comes to mind. Figuring out how they're going to sort out that offensive line is the next big issue I would tackle. And then running back for me would be the third big i wouldn't even call it a problem because i don't think it's really holding them back too much but it could be the move to take them to that next level if they bring in a running back whether it's through the later rounds of the draft or paying one of the lower tier free agent running backs i think that could really help out josh allen because you looked at him in the playoffs here they didn't run the ball at all especially the game against the ravens you know i don't think they ran the ball more than five times in the first half so I think bringing in a running back could be a huge help to Josh Allen this offseason.
0: So the last team we're going to talk about is the new England Patriots. The Patriots have been dominating the AFC East for how many so years. This is the first year that they're in a position in the off season where they got to catch up. The Patriots have to catch up and especially on the offensive side of the football so these are some major free agents from the Patriots that are going to hit the market. They have over 26 total free agents, but these are the ones that I think are the most uh, notable and that are going to, you know, make the, they're going to their loss is going to be felt if they leave. That's Joe Thuney, Jason McCordy, James White, David Andrews, Lawrence Guy, Adam Butler, Cam Newton, and JC Jackson. So the Patriots have a lot of cap space this offseason, but they also have a lot of notable free agents that are going to be free agents this offseason. So a lot of the money is going to go to that. So if I'm the Patriots, the first thing I do is that I re-sign Joe Thune back, like no doubt about it. You re-sign David Andrews too, and you re-sign J.C. Jackson, who was possibly their best corner when Stephon Gilmore went out this past season. Everybody else from me can go, Cam Newton. Didn't show enough to warrant another opportunity with the Patriots this upcoming season. Lawrence Guy, not that big of a deal. Adam Butler, he's good. They should probably should look to bring him back as well. James White, the Patriots don't really bring back running backs past their first contract. So I think he's gone too. They can find a better one in the draft or free agency. And for me, of course, their defense is going to be good because of Bill Belichick. You gotta address the offense. You gotta get receivers. For me, in free agency, They've been linked to Marvin Jones Jr. So I'd go and sign Marvin Jones Jr. And there's also other guys. You can go with Curtis Samuel, who's a speedster. Maybe they sign Hunter Henry. And then on the defensive side of the ball, since you're losing Lawrence Guy and Adam Butler, maybe they go Kenny Clark. They steal him from the Packers, a very good defensive tackle. They go Kenny Clark or Yannick Ngakwe. I think those two would be huge additions to their defense. But obviously... The main thing the Patriots have to prioritize this offseason is bringing in wide receivers. And I I think you got to start with Marvin Jones Jr. or Curtis Samuel or having them both. Having them both would be huge.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think Cam Newton comes back this season at the quarterback position. He was probably statistically the worst quarterback in the NFL last season. It was worth the shot. You know, who knows if he had gone back to the level that he played in Carolina the Patriots could have been in, in the race for the division, but it didn't work out. I think they move on from him and I think they look to draft a quarterback. I don't know if he'll start immediately. Maybe they get a guy like Mac Jones or Kyle Trask with their first round pick. Um, Another guy that I would look at in the later rounds, Kellen Mond. He had a great, a great day at the senior bowl and a lot of his stock has definitely risen up. And I think you could get him later on in the draft without taking him in the first round. So one of those guys is the name I would look at at the quarterback position. The problem is I don't know what they do a quarterback next year, whether they want to bring in a veteran, maybe a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick or not necessarily him, but somebody who could just come in, hold over the position for a year. Or if they want to give Jared Stidham another shot. I personally don't believe in him whatsoever. I feel like it would be a waste. But I don't know if any of those names that I mentioned in the draft would be ready to go from day one. So I think they should look at a bridge quarterback or a veteran quarterback to come in and take next year. But I do think they should look to draft one of those three guys with their pick situation. Then looking at free agents, starting on the offensive line, Joe Thune and David Andrews, I would look to bring both of them back. They're such huge parts of this team, great veteran leaders. And those are two guys that I would definitely look into bringing back. I'm the On uh, Lawrence Guy, give or take, you know, I feel like they should look into bringing him back, but only at a certain price tag. And same thing with Adam Butler. I think that Adam Butler was kind of a hidden gem for them. And I would personally bring him back over Lawrence Guy, but JC Jackson is really the guy they need to bring back. I know there has been rumors floating around about Stephon Gilmore and what his status is going to be. People were talking about him being a potential uh, trade deadline target this season. And who knows if that extends over into next season, but bringing back J.C. Jackson would at least give you that formidability that if you do want to trade Stephon Gilmore, you can do that and still have a guy like J.C. Jackson in that secondary. So I feel like bringing him back is very important. But you hit, you hit the nail right on the head. The wide receiver position is the place to go. Who was their number one this season? Jacoby Myers. You know, they didn't really have any There's formidable – yeah, Demir Bird, they didn't really have any great receivers this season. And with such a deep free agency class at the wide receiver position, I feel like they need to go out and get at least one, if not two, of those top guys. Whether it's you know a guy like a, a Corey Davis, I feel like would be a nice addition for them. You mentioned Marvin Jones, who's been linked to them. I feel like would be a nice addition. And then maybe look towards the second-tier targets to bring in a second wide receiver. But – if I were them, I would look at bringing in two wide receivers because that position group was very poor for them this past season. And if you're going to bring it, especially if you're going to bring in a rookie quarterback, you're not giving them any chance at all. If you're bringing back the same weapons that you had last year, you know, you're like I said about Jared Goff before you are throwing them off the ship with no life vest and that's no situation to succeed in for a rookie quarterback.
0: So for me, uh, I misspoke. Kenny Clark actually re-signed with the Packers, so they can't sign him. But I think Mac Jones is ready day one. I think he would be ready day one. Uh, I think he his preparation is there, and he's a very hard worker. I think he'll be ready day one, especially in an offense like the Patriots, which is just predicated on the quick passing game. For me, I would not even think about drafting Kyle Trask with the first-round pick. It, I would not even think about it. Maybe in the later rounds, Yeah. Kellen Mond is cool, but I'm not that high on Kellen Mond, even though he did win um, Senior Bowl MVP. I'm not high on him at all. Um, I think quarterback targets for me would be Jacoby Brissett, bringing him back to reunite. He knows the offense, so, you know, the Patriots love familiarity. I think bringing Jacoby Brissett would be back. Another option would be, of course, trading back for Jimmy Garoppolo. And guys also, I mean, Tyra Taylor... He's an option as well. I think he can do what Cam Newton did last year at a higher level, especially with better weapons. And maybe they want to give Mitch Trubisky a tryout. You know, Mitch Trubisky is very good in terms of the short passing game. He's not a very good deep thrower, but that's what Josh McDaniel's offense is. Maybe they take a gamble on a guy like Mitch Trubisky who does have talent, who can run as well, and maybe they see what happens with that.
1: I actually don't hate the idea of Mitch Trubisky at all. In fact, I I actually really like that idea for the Patriots. And I didn't even think of that as a plausible option, but he's a guy that showed some signs last year. I'm not too high on him, but he showed signs last year and early in his career that he has the talent to be a legit quarterback in this league. And I don't think it would take that much to bring him in based on his track record of inconsistency. So I feel like that would be a, a great option at the quarterback position, even if you bring him in and it doesn't work out and you get a quarterback in the later rounds this year and it could give a little buffer time for that rookie quarterback to you know get some experience on the bench. Um, another position I think they should target to improve, tight end. I don't think they need to make a huge splash. A guy we talked about before, I think it might have been for the Bills, Jared, Gerald Everett, or even a guy like John O. Smith from the Titans. Just somebody like that. It doesn't have to be some huge splash signing. Obviously, Hunter Henry would be the guy that you would love to have. I think he's the crown jewel of tight end targets this free agency. But even if it's a lower tier piece, I think guys like that would make an impact at the tight end position. You saw how big of a role tight ends have played for them in the past, whether it was Aaron Hernandez, Rob Gronkowski. So bringing in a good tight end would really help out that offense.
0: Another one could be Jared Cook Jr. The Saints aren't going to bring him back. And he's older, but he's still a pretty decent tight end. And for me, like, at the 15th pick, which is where the Patriots are going to be picking, I would pick Mag Jones. That's like if they don't get a quarterback in free agency, because I think if they get Jacoby Brissett or Jimmy G, then they go in a different direction. But I will say this. This is, a, this is an exception. If Micah Parsons is at that 15th overall pick, you draft him. He's a top-five talent in this draft. He might slip down a lot because there have have been some character issues with him that have come out, so he might slip in this draft. If he's at 15th, what better place to go than the Patriots, who they take risk on guys with character issues all the time. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but I think Micah Parsons is a top-five talent in this draft, and I think he's a game-changing talent at the linebacker position Dante Hightower is getting older, so Michael Parsons would be a cheap option to replace him. I think if he's there at 15, you go get him. Or you can go get Patrick Chertain II from Alabama as well. It really depends on what the Patriots want to do. But we all know they should possibly get a quarterback, but maybe they're not high on anybody in this draft and they just want to sign somebody in free agency. Jacoby Brissett, Mitchell Trubisky, one of those guys, we don't know, but... You know, there are options here, but if at 15, Micah Parsons is there and they have a veteran quarterback, you draft Micah Parsons.
1: Yeah, and that's a great call on Parsons. Like you said, if there's anywhere you would want to go as a guy with character issues, the Patriots are the place. You could go down the line over the last few years of guys they've brought in with character issues and a bunch of them they've been able to set straight. Some of them haven't worked out, but that's a great place to be under Bill Belichick on a pretty solid that defense is always gonna be solid. Bill Belichick is one of the greatest defensive minds, you know, of our generation. So I feel like that would be a good landing spot. I have a feeling they're gonna go with Mac Jones. Even though I'm not too high on him, I feel like the Patriots system is one where he could really work out. Like that would be one of the one of the places I would feel better about him going. And you mentioned Patrick Sartain being a potential a potential pick for them. If they get him and they re-sign JC Jackson Then you could really look at moving Stephon Gilmore. You would have Sertain to learn under J.C. Jackson. And I think that for Stephon Gilmore, you could get a haul of of whether it's picks or talent to add on to this team. And I think it might be a wise decision for them with the position they're in right now. And I know that there is a team out there, a contending team out there that would overpay for Stephon Gilmore the way the Seahawks did with the Jets for Jamal Adams. You know, if teams think they're that one piece away, they will give up a lot to get a, an all pro corner like Stefan Gilmore. Look at Jalen Ramsey to the Rams it is a similar situation. So that could be an interesting way of going about it. Not only do you get Patrick Sertain, but maybe you move up in the draft and you're looking at a guy like Trey Lance. So I think it'll be interesting to see what, which direction they go in here, but this is the most rebuilding we've seen the Patriots in my lifetime, probably. So I'm I'm excited to see how they go with it.
0: I mean, this is the first time in forever where the Patriots have to think about their quarterback, right? So there, it's a real question, like, do you go after receivers because you need receivers to make your quarterback successful, or do you go after that quarterback? It's really a toss-up for me, without a doubt, this offseason for the Patriots, is about building that offense. And that's going to do it for our previews for all AFC East teams. We talked about the Jets, the Patriots, the Bills, and we also talked about the Dolphins. We're going to do this weekly until the the free agency period kicks off, until the offseason period officially kicks off. So this should be really fun to do. Uh, This was a pretty good episode. It went by pretty fast uh, from the standard of how long we usually record. As always, thank you guys for tuning in, and we appreciate you guys. A snowstorm happened where we live, so you weren't able to record in person. That's why we're on Zoom. Uh, we had, like, one foot and a half inches of snow. It's pretty crazy. You know, everybody's car was trapped in snow.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to be able to find parking to, to come to the podcast for months with the amount of snow that fell. We, we probably got close to two feet, and I know I've been shoveling for, like, a uh, pretty much a day straight. So I'm happy to just get on here and be able to talk some football rather than be out there shoveling the snow, throwing my back out.
0: Yeah, exactly. So this was a great episode. We want to thank you guys for tuning in as always. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at pick Aside podcast on Twitter at pick Aside pod. We post when we have new episodes on there and we post when our segments are out on there as well. And if you want to donate to us on Patreon, you can find us at pick Aside podcast. Um, Thank you guys for tuning in. And as always, don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us grow a lot. Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time.